Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Hey, everybody. I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor at Glen Owen Bible Church. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady, senior pastor at Glen Owen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning everyone. The got, trees are 50% bare. I know. I mean, we are in the middle of it, right? Today's going to be gorgeous. Yeah. Man, fall. Yeah. Wow. We're in it. All right, we've given the weather report. Let's <laughs> yep. jump in. Life is busy. <laughs> Any sports updates? <laughs> nope. Chief's got I a dub really. in Germany. Kudentag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that hello? No idea. What did A&M do this weekend? Oh, shut it. Ooh, did they lose? <laughs> I don't know. Did Michigan cheat this That's weekend? That's first question. No, <laughs> but we, no, we can't. Did they get anybody signs? Any new signs? <laughs> we, we, yeah. If you're, not, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's go. First question. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be the new Bears coach. That's what I'm hearing. That's what uh, the maybe, scuttlebutt is. Right? Maybe. Okay. That could work. Sure. He's Okay. Anyway. All right, we're going to get into some questions because we got we have several. So let's get into it. Um, can you say a little more about faith, both what it is and isn't? I feel confused at times about how it works. I seldom feel the full assurance that faith brings as we read as we read yesterday in Hebrews ten twenty two. Yeah, I got a little shtick I do on faith, so I just thought I'd read it here. Just as we need oxygen for physical life, we need faith for spiritual life. Apart from faith, a Christian cannot live spiritually any more than we live physically apart from oxygen. By faith, we are born again, and by faith, we continue to live daily. Like oxygen, God provides the faith needed for our spiritual lives. Now, that's important. We don't produce our own oxygen. We don't produce our own faith. And just as some have stronger bodies that better utilize oxygen. Some Christians have stronger faith. They utilize better the faith they've been given. Jesus said to the sleeping disciples, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So God calls us to strengthen ourselves through discipline so that we can better live by faith. Is that making some sense? Yes, sir. All right. So faith is being certain of what we can't see. Actually, that is next Sunday's um, passage. So we're getting to Hebrews 11. This question of faith is an understandable. It fits really well in the progression through Hebrews. Faith is being certain of what we cannot see. It's a confidence in what can't be seen. Faith in Jesus is a gift from God. Hebrews 12, we learn that he's the author of our faith and the perfecter of our faith. Even a small amount of faith can produce great miracles. Mustard seed faith, it's a comparison of this small seed producing this big plant. In a similar way, small faith can produce great outcomes, and our faith is to grow over time. So to the extent we lack faith or feel our faith is weak, we can ask for God to grow it, strengthen us, give us more faith, uh, help us to stand on our faith. And our faith, as it's growing and working in our lives, uh, can produce, uh, will produce works of obedience. So, so faith is a gift. Faith is needed to please God. And if we lack faith, he, we can cry out to God, give us faith in Christ. So if you feel like you're actually floundering in faith, losing faith, discouraged, or you have a weak faith, or you want more faith, then it's not something we muster up, we create. It's something we cry out to God for and depend upon him for. I'm pumped to preach about faith this Sunday. That's cool. Yeah, so, I tried really hard not to go into the next. Right. <laughs> Just, it's hard with Hebrews because there are some, um, I call it like cliffhangers or whatever, like you to stay true to the text that's in front of yeah, you and not bleed, the, not bleed too far into the next yeah. section or yeah. pull from, from something else. Because you can end going, well, what about? And then you're like, it's coming, it's coming, it's in the next, it's in the next section. I really use the faith part as just the opposite, what, what our assurance comes from, mm. you know, the confidence in faith, our full assurance is in faith, not of ourselves, not of our works. It's interesting, the prayer request to grow in faith inevitably <laughs> uh, leads us, there, 
into points where we have to exercise faith. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean hard times are going to come. When you pray that your faith will grow, it doesn't simply mean that hard times are coming. It's not a, um, a bad thing to pray, but it does mean that the prayer of faith the Lord will provide for us places or times where we can stand on faith or stretch our faith mm-hmm. or exercise it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is stretching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's how, you know, how can I be able to run a marathon? Well, it's like, well, you need to start, you need to start running. Right. You can't just pray right. and hope yeah. that you're going to be able to run mar- marathon, right? Or think like, oh, I can, hey, would you... Um, you know, would you pray for me that I can get this done? <laughs> right. I mean, that that might be. <laughs> I was sitting in the, my, I was buying a set of tires the other day. and I was sitting in the discount tire showroom and this uh, man sat down next to me. He was in his seventies and uh, he was a Vietnam war vet. He really wanted to talk. I had my laptop open. I was trying to make the most efficient use of my time. So I finally said to the Lord, okay, this guy wants to talk. So I close my laptop and give him my full attention. And about halfway through the conversation, uh, it occurs to me, I've been praying for opportunities to share my faith. Good thing I finally closed my laptop. Anyway, by the end, the Lord prompted me to, uh, to pray for him. He had some uh, acute prayer needs. So I, there I was in the discount tire shop laying my hands on this man and praying over him. Yeah. Um, so... Um, Faith, you know, the, the request for faith, when we ask that our faith would grow, let's remember <laughs> that the Lord's going to give us opportunities to stretch our faith. Yeah, yeah. Just visualize, like, Lord, would you please heal this man and his pain? The, no, no, the bridge stones. The bridge stones. <laughs> yes. Those. Okay. Okay. Where were we? Okay. Yes. It was exactly. That's great. Like no, that. that's a perfect example of you exercising your faith. Yeah. Right? Like, I like the, um, that you started off with the, the physical metaphor. Because it's true, like some people have better genes than others mm. as far as physical strength goes. Mm-hmm. Some people just like, they're just, you know, and, th- and then they work out and they, yeah. re- maybe they respond better because they're predisposed to, you know, just mm-hmm. better genetics and all that. Um, and it's the same way with faith. Faith, some people have the gift of faith. So some people just kind of have a little bit more, yeah. but at the same time, uh, you can exercise it and, and grow it and work it out. How do, can you talk to us about uh, some of the things you can do for that, like how to... Yeah, faith is given to different people in different measures. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Paul writes in Romans, uh, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Uh, so we have different gifts, we have different measures of faith, and we can, the first place to start is always prayer. I tell my kids, if you want something, go to your father. Mm. And I mean, heavenly father, don't, <laughs> I, I can't provide everything my kids want. So go to your heavenly father if you want opportunities in the work world, if you, whatever it is. So if we want more faith, let's go start with prayer. And, um, and then expect to step out on the end of a limb, mm. take some risks, uh, get out of the boat. I mean, we, you know, we, we uh, always reflect that Peter, he got out of the boat and walked on water, but then he sank a little bit. But he was the only dude that got out of the boat. He was the only one that had the experience of getting to walk on water. So we have to take some risks. Mm-hmm. I, I love this question. I've, I'm trying to think of how I would answer it if this person was sitting in front of me when they, like, ask for a definition or how it works. I don't know how it works. <laughs> like, it's just, that's a, that's a good question. But when I think of it in terms of, you know, my life with my family and my children. And I think of it in ministry and trying to lead an organization. I'm, I'm just in here reflecting, thinking, gosh, I am exercise. I'm trying to exercise this in all areas. So I appreciate the question and, um, and, and how it works. And I, my best way in this moment, having not thought about this before to answer this question is to think that it's like a, it's like a compilations of beliefs that I know to be true. And if I know they're to be true, then I anticipate God living them out in all areas, no matter what it is. So like I'm thinking of, of this next year for Naomi's house, kind of praying for some vision and what's going to happen in 2024. And there's a lot that I want to happen. There's a lot of women I want to serve. There's a lot of money I want to raise. There's, there's so much, but the only thing I know to be true is that God is faithful. Like he has consistently provided. He's consistently shown up. He cares for the people that we serve. He cares for our staff. I think about that. And 
I have to just believe that. I do believe that. And out of that belief, that core belief that God is good and that he's for people, then my faith rests on that. And what happens next year, what we plan for, whether we succeed in our plans or not, it doesn't rattle or shake the belief and the foundation that the truth remains, that God is good. And in this scenario, particularly to ministry for Naomi's house, God cares about Mm. the work that we're doing. That is not in question. How it's lived out, how it shakes out, how we form, how we serve, how we fundraise, all of that will take a different, you know, can have, it can go in many different directions, but the truth remains. And I think, I don't know if I had to, it's hard to define. This is, this is a tough question, Mm -hmm. but it's something that's a part of our core beings as Mm -hmm. Christians Mm -hmm. and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Another word for faith would be trust. Yeah. So in the areas of our life where we're trusting in God to do something we can't do, that is faith. So salvation is what it is. I worry that a lot of Christians hear the word faith and they think, oh, I have to muster up mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to be, I have to um, demonstrate something. I have to produce something. But faith, faith produces uh, works of righteousness. We don't actually produce our faith itself is a gift is what I'm trying to say. And where we lack it or want to grow in it, it is, it is a increasing posture of dependence, not independence, but dependence on him. So we should actually, it's a, it's a coming to the end of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your keen or increasing awareness that Naomi's house is more than you can manage mm-hmm. or pull off. Right. <laughs> I'm keenly aware. You can't do it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so encouraging. It's, it, it's actually a Nothing great place. Nothing you've done has mattered. No. <laughs> it's actually a great place for pastors to be, that the church isn't something we can manage, pull off, control, grow. It's a great place for parents to be. Mm-hmm. It's this place, uh, it's this juncture where we see clearly a greater need for dependence, trust in what only God, for God to do only what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we've had a front row seat over the last, well, forever, but yeah. Spe- specific, yeah, specifically the last 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. um, when, it's, when it is that, when it is mm-hmm. pastors just trying to run a church, just mm-hmm. yeah. on their own, He's what re- seems like on Matt's their own. Matt's referencing quite a bit of pastor failure. Yeah. Public, right, like, large-scale public failure. Yeah. That mm-hmm. seems to happen, uh, the overarching reason, when faith decreases in just my own, yeah. you know, what I want to do and what I think and what I want to, how I want to run this ship, that's mm-hmm. kind of the fruit of it. It often right? happens like, when business models and right. models of democracy invade the church in inappropriate ways. Yeah. There's a lot about the church that has business elements. There's money, there's people, resourcing. We just need to be really careful that we don't lapse into thinking all that's needed here is greater strategy mm-hmm. uh, or greater discipline. If, if it were that, then Christ wouldn't have had to die. He just would have had to been a really good role model, which he was, but he was a really good role model that actually shed his blood. Mm-hmm. So there's more that has to happen than just strategy and discipline. We actually have to come to the end of ourselves and depend on him. It's so tricky because strategy and discipline they are matter. also important. They matter. And so knowing that line of where am I trying to take the reins, it's just getting really personal, guys. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> like, that's why we have you on here. Some of my inner, you know, struggles If you could keep it less personal, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we want the personal. I'm, I'm just saying that, that tension of trying to be a good steward by having a strategy that's thoughtful and prayerful and discipline as a, as a leader and trying to raise up people who are, who respect and, and also love discipline for the fruit that it can bear and greater coming, dependence and coming to the end of yourself. You're like right. it's really hard when you see that the, some of the biggest and greatest, you know, churches, they'll, well, they'll, they are really good communicators. Mm-hmm. They have gifts. Yeah. So like, where's the, where's the tension? Like is, mm-hmm. you know, what's the, it's tricky. You're right. It's tricky to, to navigate um, how, uh, how do we be, keep consistently becoming less and, re, and moving in faith and relying in faith, but also being diligent, working hard, mm-hmm. you know, honing the gifts and talents God's given us at the same time. Like mm-hmm. you want to learn more about how to be a better fundraiser mm-hmm. because you feel like that's 
God's, well, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. not that it's anything of your self always, but you certainly don't want to be in the way of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I just know what we could do if we had more money. Yeah. <laughs> I just know the amount right. of lives we could impact. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. being faithful and diligent mm-hmm. with what mm-hmm. God's called you to and the gifts he's, he's gil- given you. And yet you know that it's not just you. It's this, mm-hmm. this balance of um, faithfulness mm-hmm. and God's, God's move. But I'm feeling more and more, and I wonder if this is something that the church, or maybe not this church, but leaders in a church can also relate to, that whatever you meant by the b- biggest and the greatest churches. I, yeah, I just you, was talking numbers. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Is, yeah. That's the definition we, of great. Yeah. <laughs> According right. to who, right? Right, right? You know, so I think there okay. is so much wisdom and um, being able to come back to what is my faith? What is the faith that I have in God and what's he, what's he going to do? And is it going to produce something that's high outcomes or are we praying more for authentic life change? And well, it's interesting you bring that up uh, before the podcast and we started recording, we were talking about uh, the emotionally healthy leader by mm-hmm. Peter Scazzaro. I don't know if I'm saying oh, it's good. Right. That's good. I don't know. Stick with I, that. Scazzaro. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's a weird, right. weird last name, but <laughs> good. Uh, we'll Simone, Pete. Simone was reflecting on um, just uh, his comment that um, about healthy marriages among leaders produces uh, healthy organizations. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's more like ministry yeah. should so, be out of the abundance of your marriage. So there's a there's a long-standing discussion among uh, church leaders about what makes a good sermon, and if we're not careful. We define a good sermon as content delivery, mm-hmm. primarily. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, a good sermon has to do with the, a good life of the preacher. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a primary. It's not the soul, but it's the it's a primary driver. We need uh, people of integrity teaching us with healthy marriages. Um, the, the definition even of elder in the church, one of the parameters is their home is in order. Their wives enjoy them. They are connected to their wives. They're blessing their children. That's what makes a good sermon. That's true. Um, one last thing on this question. I want to make sure we answered what we're, n- we're what, never going to get done. What this I is feel question like, number one. I know so what good. I feel like needs. What I feel like they're asking uh, in in part is I, I seldom feel the full assurance that faith brings, mm. as we read in, in Hebrews ten twenty two. So it seems like the question asker is saying, okay, I'm not feeling this full assurance. Does that mean then that I don't have faith? Mm. Because I'm not feeling this full assurance. Mm-hmm. If you keep reading though, after verse 22 and 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Mm-hmm. So like there's an element of hope in your faith. Like, are you, do you have hope? And you talked about it a minute ago, but do you have hope that God is fully faithful? That plays a part in your faith. Mm-hmm. In your assurance. In your assurance, in yeah. your demonstration. So to the question that seems to be in here, like, okay, if this person doesn't feel assured, mm-hmm. does that mean that their faith is not enough? Mm-hmm. So I think you, you're putting your finger right on the point of pain. If we lack full assurance, let's assess the object of our faith. If I am the object of my faith, then I understand why I would lack assurance. <laughs> because some yeah. days I do really well as a follower of Jesus, and some days I do really poorly. Yep. If Christ is the object of my faith, his faithfulness, his promises, his resurrection, then my assurance will grow. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right, um, next one. How do we know when we are spurring others appropriately? I often feel beat up by others, people who say they are trying to encourage me. Yeah, so the author of Hebrews writes, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I made more of this verse than John did in his sermon. So this may come from the Poplar Creek uh, congregation. Um, And I talked about spurs, let us spur one another on. I, it's it's a favorite favorite <laughs> really uh, mm-hmm. of mine. <laughs> I alluded to it. He did. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. It must have been late in the sermon. I nope. got distracted. Nope. It's right, right at the top. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> right in the section where he talks about spurs. <laughs> so spurs should never draw blood, and they should never leave a bruise on an animal. So that's not the goal of the cowboy, 
or it, it, Spurs were used in the first century <laughs> among Roman say, soldiers. Here we go. Here no, we I'm go. serious. I was like, that, <laughs> that's a up. very modern Western right. interpretation so, of it. So take yeah. us back. First century, uh, Romans used Spurs because horses were hesitant to go into battle. And so Spurs are always aimed at motivating, not bludgeoning. And so I, I don't know the balance. I don't know the appropriate. So how do we know when we're spurring people biblically, appropriately? I think the best question is to say, how are you experiencing me? Mm. Uh, are you walking away bludgeoned <laughs> or bruised as we're interacting? Um, Sunday during the sermon, I talked about the goal being encouragement. He says, encourage one another and all the more as the day approaches. Encourage each other in preparation for judgment. So courage is in the word encouragement. The outcome of encouragement is that people would have greater courage. So when we spur people on, the outcome should, they should walk away from us with greater courage to follow after Christ, to persevere, to endure in preparation for the day of judgment. So I think we should ask our friends and our family. <laughs> I should ask Sherry, mm -hmm. uh, how do you experience me? Do you feel bruised and beat up after uh, I'm encouraging you? Or do you, do you feel uh, like you have greater courage to face the day? So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it should be in accordance. I, I, I didn't nuance this all like on Sunday, but it should be in accordance with what the good works that they're being called to do. So it, should be in, it shouldn't be things that are... are um, beating them up for bad behavior. That's not what we're talking about. Mm. That's rebuking. That's not spurring. Mm. That's not encouraging in this context of what the author is talking about here. It's talking about spurring one another on. When you meet together and you gather together, there should be this purpose in your gathering of encouraging and spurring on the things that God has placed before you in love. So love and good deeds. Towards good, these good deeds. Yeah, right. so it shouldn't be, it should never feel in this context there are places where it talks about like, coming to a brother or sister and rebuking or challenging or whatever. That's not <laughs> the context of this at all. It's about love and good deeds. And so no one should feel bruised. They should feel uh, an inspiration, a, a, an, uh, a courage, because there's somebody that's noticed and seen what God has done in their life, and they have things, there's more... like. Like they should feel they're not alone. Mm -hmm. They should feel the spurring is this prodding, this pushing, this supporting. Um, it should be energizing. Yeah, like I I'm, think that's the, the. It feels like a negative word, like a spur. Right, which in, is why in I the don't use the, of a like someone's riding yeah. you like a horse. Yeah. Right. Well, or, yeah, or like let me beat you up to keep doing mm -hmm. good things. Like that just feels. I want you to go over optimal. there as your horse rider, yeah. taking you over there. That's that's not the mm -hmm. connotation. Right. Yeah, right. And in some cases, the horse doesn't want to go. Right. And in some cases, for good reason. Right. <laughs> There's things blowing up over right. there. I don't really want to go. Bam, go. Mm -hmm. uh, so, are you, um, so are you saying that when this person is saying, I often feel beat up by others, yeah. by people who are saying they're trying to encourage me, um, that they're misunderstood? 100%. That's a, that's a different scenario. That's a poor translation of this text and what's going on in the, Hebrew, in the church of those Jewish believers at yeah. that time. And it's a poor exegesis of the text and application to our lives today. But, uh, on this partic these particular verses, right. in this context of what's going on, that's not what, no one should feel. If someone's using this verse to say to somebody, you are, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'm beating you up, you, you've done something wrong, and rebuking someone, if they're using this text to do it, I would say that's an that's, inappropriate application yes, of the text. Yes, out of context. Th there's other places, no one should ever feel bruised and bloodied, ever, and we should never use the Bible to beat people up, yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there is a scenario where a sin has entered into someone's life, and there are texts that would support going to that brother or sister and saying, you're in sin, yeah, and this is going to hurt because we're going to deal with some, some ugly stuff. There's other parts in Hebrews where that actually comes up. I can't think of the maybe four. Um, anyway. And that example, what you're talking about earlier, um, goes all the way to the extent of, and if they don't repent, yep. you, you act, it's actually the loving thing and the caring thing for their soul to let, to, them, go. To let them go, yeah. to let them walk from the church, like right. to excommunicate them mm -hmm. from your church, right. yeah, Jesus which is about, harsh, but, but to, it's in order to save their souls. Like, Jesus talks about discipline in Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go and point out their fault one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and there's a public, you know, so that you don't sin any longer as a congregation. We, we identify sin within leadership. And we, yeah. I mean, there's some other places where rebuking and, and dealing with sin are present, but the context of this is not that. Mm-hmm. Can you, anybody come up with an example uh, where, um, where someone would be trying to spur you on, but you walk away, f- you know, uh, feeling beat up? Like I where they are trying I, to encourage you, but oh, you, totally. you receive it beat up? Do you, what do you think, Simone? I thought you were going to ask, can you think of a context when someone was trying to motivate you toward or the, love and what's the yes. other? Good deeds. Good deeds. Yes. And that, to me, I, I think I'm, like, I'm having this like, well, what, what, how, how are you encouraging us to translate this, this verse? Because I think we're struggling with the word spur. But if you look in, into other translations, it, is, tra- it can be translated differently. Totally. The, it can be stir mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And I think if, like to John's point, if you take the whole passage into mm-hmm. context, it's meant to lead you in a positive way mm-hmm. to continue to do love and good works. The so, context is encouragement. Right. 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 So can you 100%. think of an example where... Or a scenario where someone would be trying to do that, and but you walk away feeling beat up. I would probably have ignored them. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> it like happens I just, all the time. Uh, people mean, are well-meaning. People are well-meaning. They'll, yeah. you know, they'll come up and give uh, a, uh, an opinion, an insight, a wisdom um, that they feel a deep conviction on. Uh, but it, it uh, perhaps they lack the rapport. One to one, spurring requires relationship. Yeah. And I, I mentioned it that's on good. Sunday. You can't just encourage and spur people on right. if you don't know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we need to deeply know each other. And the way that we know each other deepest is when we share the burdens that are going on in our lives, the, the brokenness that we have going on in our lives. That's, this is the place to do it. No, nowhere else do we get that opportunity like we do within the body of believers and in the church. Can I just go back to, because I want to do a better job as a person. If I say something, oh, that's in there, in the text, I want to actually pull it out and show people where it is in the text and not just allude to it. So Hebrews 3 says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it isn't called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Different kind of encouragement mm-hmm. in that pass in that part of scripture. So the word encouragement, and and then in chapter ten, it's in, it's got uh, spurring connected to it. So you have spurring, encouraging, onto love and good deeds is different than the encouraging those that have a hardened and unbelieving heart. So that's a different type of encouraging. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the author is using a, a similar scenario. You still need relationship. You still need to know each other. It's still in the context of the, of the body and believers. But we want to, as long as today is today, encourage each other not going down the path of sin. And we also want to encourage each other, linking to spurring, that we're moving each other on to love and good deeds. The Hebrews 3, the context is potential unbelief. Chapter 10, the context is shrinking back from difficulty. Mm -hmm. Those are different experiences. Mm -hmm. And not meeting together and caving in to the persecution around us and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's good. Um, Okay, next one. Why do you suppose perseverance is something God asks of his people? Honestly, I can't help but think there is a better way to organize things. (laughs) You, you know, talked about perseverance. I did not get to that. Yeah, text, I would so. say perseverance is an experience and expression of love. And, and I think that's why God has organized things this way. Here's what I mean. When we are weak, in other words, when perseverance is needed, we actually experience his strength. He is strong. So there is, in perseverance, there's this supernatural experience where we can actually have, draw upon the strength, the resurrection power of Christ. So we do, and I get it, we resent, the, our, we can resist the moments in which we're called upon to persevere because we're weak. We don't like that feeling of being overwhelmed by circumstances, but it's actually there that we get to exercise faith. We can really step into those moments and experience resurrection power. So first of all, perseverance is an experience, an opportunity to experience uh, the love of God as he empowers us. And then it's an expression of love for God. When we persevere, 
And perseverance is needed for all believers. When we persevere, we actually get to express an, an unconditional or um, a, a love for our Father. So it's an expression we get to express. Job famously said, though he slay me, I'll still love him. Mm-hmm. And so in perseverance, we say, all right, it's not going how I think it should or want it to go, or I'm in a lot of pain, or this is difficult. I'm still going to trust that God is good. I'm still, so it's the, experience, it's the opportunity to experience his strength, and it's the opportunity to express a love for God, even in a difficult scenario. And I think that's why it's a part of God's economy mm-hmm. for us, why he calls us. Yep. Love that. I mean, perseverance is kind of like the, the ultimate evidence you know, I mean, if someone's not persevering, I'm kind of questioning their their constitution. Well, their, you know, like their discipleship. Is, is, yeah, yeah is, is God at work in your life? Do you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you? If you're not persevering, like that's, you know, when I live with my grandma, I moved in with my grandma after my grandfather died, and they were married for fifty something years. Mm-hmm. Like, and I wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, and I just, I mean, it was difficult. I would be sitting in the room with her watching her sob, mm. not really knowing. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. I don't hate, but like she had this, she had faith. She was the only person of faith in both sides of my family. And like it carried her through. Yeah. You know, she persevered through that. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting here thinking she's never going to make it. Like she's not, yeah. this is the end. And, you know, she lived another 12 years and and had joy and had she persevered through it like yeah. that is it's good. I, I can't think of another way to organize it yeah it's good um okay um next one what is the balance between church and non-church activities between hanging with god's people like spurring others on and building authentic community fellowship versus pursuing those outside the church, serving non-believers and intentionally seeking people who are far from God. Unless I'm intentional, I'd be in the church with other believers all day, every day, and just talk about Jesus. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> you know, I That's, think... Yeah, you go ahead. No, it's, it's a phenomenal question. I mean, anytime we talk about the value of, you know, don't, don't forget to meet together, be together, spur one another to encourage. You can, you know, um, take that as, well, I just, I need to do more churchy things. And the truth is, yes, you do. Most people do need to do. That's question number five, by the way. It's <laughs> more, coming. <laughs> more, more, more churchy things. Um, you know, the author of Hebrews and in the text that we had on Sunday morning, he doesn't, he doesn't, they don't go into, um, you know, the other thing, you know, the community and evangelism and those, those sorts of things. So, but I think we can take from what is going on in the text to say that it's not a verses, but a, but I would, you know, point to it as a both and Mm. that if you are in the church around the body of believers, one of the things that we should be spurring each other onto is actually reaching our community so the good works that we're spurred on to do are not just to be blessings to the church, but they're to be a blessing to the community as well. So can I just use Simone as an example, right? Like if you're coming here and, wor- and worshiping, <laughs> one of the good works God has called you to do is very difficult ministry to um, women who have faced in a, a level of trauma that many cannot fathom. So you should be here in church and people should be spurring you on and encouraging you to that good work Mm -hmm. that God has called you to do that's full of love Mm -hmm. so that you feel like you're not alone. You are encouraged and built up and supported and that you have people who are are spurring you on and speaking truth into you and encouraging you as you go on. And then they they perhaps maybe even will join you in that work as you get to know them and you're connected with them. You say, Come and be a part of, of what I'm doing. So you then are spurring even others on, or you're saying, well, what is the, the good work that God may have for, for you? How do we spur one another on? So it isn't just a self-serving organism. That's not what the church is. We should be always with an outward 
um, posture and lens. And I think of the things that we've tried to do intentionally because a church in the in the suburbs can become a hub of all relationship and all connections. And this is where, you know, we meet friends and we get community and our kids are together and all that kind of stuff. And we talk about that a lot as a church in church leadership and the programming and things like that. And so we we intentionally want to have places and programs that are open to and inviting to everyone. And we've done a lot of work in that where even people who are not in the church or active in any church can come and be a part of the things that are happening here so that we aren't just a club of, you know, Jesus-y people doing Jesus-y things. Um, but the clear message in this text, this morning was this idea of you have to get together to spur and encourage each other. Don't stop meeting together. And, and if you are going to meet together, it's, it has to involve these elements. Yep. That's great because that brings that us into this but... last question. What are those elements and what does it yeah. mean to meet <laughs> together? Um, this last question, the stats tell us the average churchgoer now goes to church less than two times per month. Churches now offer live streaming, messages online, podcast sermons, etc. Is there a need to stop the downward trajectory of regular attendance? Yeah, there's a need to uh, not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. So that's right out of Hebrews 10. We wrestle as a church leadership with, are we um, bowing to the demand for convenience that is so common in the suburban culture by offering um, live streaming, for example, um, you know, COVID, it was, a, it was necessary. It was really a blessing to utilize technology. And there are certainly people that are physically impaired uh, from getting to worship regularly, and we're happy to offer live streaming. But live streaming is kind of a double-edged sword that I'm not, I'm sure that some are, are using it in ways that are not benefiting them. They're sitting at home week in, week out and not making the effort to join with God's people. And that puts us in some peril as a church when we're not together. It weakens our, our bond to each other. There is a, a messiness that's a blessing when we're together, where we see uh, and hear from one another and get the opportunity to bear each other's burdens and, and uh, care for each other. So I John passed along, and I can't remember the quote. Just, Were was, you looking it up? I, I was pulling it up, yeah. It was a quote, I think, by from one of the, Spurgeon. From one, Spurgeon or yeah. Wesley Brothers? I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, the Wesley Brothers talk about the... The necessity of being together. The but, most unchristian thing a Christian can do is be a solitary Christian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can think of other, some other unchristian things it's Christians just, can do, but yes, I get the it, point. It's just a Wesley <laughs> quote, yeah. yeah. So... We wrestle with it, um, not sure what to do with it. We want to make the most of technology, and there's some real benefits, but... I thought you were going with the, the quote that we were kicking around this week from um, Spurgeon. Go ahead. I can't remember. So I'm sure that's what I was trying to find. Oh. I, um, he, he talks about um, the danger of the printed... The printed oh, sermon. There was an irony there. It was so interesting because he was um, talking about the, I'm going to botch it, but I can't find it. Um, he was talking about the invention of the printing press has allowed for sermons now to be printed. And if you know anything about Spurgeon, his like library was printed and then he would, they were circulated uh, out of his control, a lot of this. Yeah. Um, and they were printed in like the London newspaper and like all this kind of stuff. And he said it was actually danger, a dangerous thing because dangerous. I don't know if he used that word, but people were now saying, I don't have to go to church. I can just read in the newspaper, the sermon and get it all. And I'm, yeah. I'm good to go. And he gave the example of several believers in the church that were such encouragement to the body and they had been there and and were a thriving part of the singing and all this kind of stuff and now they aren't in the gathering because they're just reading the sermon in the newspaper <laughs> and not there's coming, nothing new under the sun not coming to church right? and I, I think i sent it to, to to kelly and i don't know i was just like huh that's interesting yeah. how we you know the, the internet mm. and now we're we're wrestling with 
You yeah. Know? You know, there's a difference between reaching people, going to where people are, which is the internet, like why a lot of churches have online pastors and website pastors and those kinds of things. But there's a difference between going there and having church there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it grieves me to think that there are folks in our church and churches at large um, that watch a live stream and walk away feeling like, I just had church. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't just have church. You watched someone have church. Mm-hmm. And you got caught up on maybe where that church is, and you got to you got to watch it, but you did not participate in it. And part of ha- having church is your participation in it. Like it benefits not just vertically but horizontally to other people. Your presence there, and so you know, it, if you're away from your church and you get to catch up on a service, that's great. You know, that's cool. Is- I, I would want to do that. I'd want to check out the service, but. I wouldn't walk away feeling like I just had church. This is why ministry to shut-ins is so vitally important. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- no one would say, well, you watch church online, you're good to go, no one needs to visit you. No, we all know uh, those that are physically unable to join us, they need people to go to them and care for them uh, because um, being with others physically is an important part of the experience of the body of Christ. It's not just important, it's good for us. It's, That's a great word. It's the way we're created. We are we are relational beings, and yeah. you can take this whole argument of why well, I'm an introvert or extrovert. You know, look at it. No matter where you fall, you know, on your Myers Briggs or your Enneagram, we are created. But by and large, this is a general statement. Doesn't you know there are exceptions um, to be in community with each other, and that healing takes place in community. So to neglect church or to think that you're getting, you're basically settling for um, a lesser value of what happens within, it doesn't have to be, you know, the church doesn't, we say this all the time, it doesn't have to be in the four walls of this building. Mm -hmm. It is a spiritual experience of God's presence amongst his people. And you see it time after time throughout scripture, that this is something that God has for his people is to be in community with one another, with the reading of the word, the breaking of the bread, worshiping through song. This is what happens. Prayer with one another. Um, This is what happens when you're in church and to not be a part of that on a regular basis. You're actually, you're selling yourself short. God has more for you Mm -hmm. if you're within our context, these four walls of, of this church. Um, and it's really, it, it, it's a discipline sometimes because you think you can take the cheap, the cheap way out or the easier way out. Or if you've got, if you're too busy or if you're trying to squeeze too much in, mm-hmm. um, it, it is a discipline. It, it is a conscious decision to slow down and to make time for, I get so frustrated when we're late to church. Anthony mm-hmm. and I both, we're like so <laughs> mad. Like, we are rushing to church so we can still ourselves. Yeah. Like there's this, ex- mm-hmm. like a, like a, anticipatory, I cannot wait to be still and just to sing and to cry and to pray or yeah. whatever the Lord has for me. And when I miss it, I feel it. Mm-hmm. I really feel it. So, I, I mean, I don't remember what the question was. Something about live stream. <laughs> yeah. How, mean, do we, you know, how do we stop yeah, yeah, yeah. that downward trajectory? COVID, yeah. I mean, COVID, before COVID, the, the church attendance uh, um, among evangelicals was about two and a half times a month. Post-COVID, it's under two times yeah. a month. Yeah. I think, it, it, if I could jump in, I think I, I tried to talk about this at the end of the 1030 service. I didn't do it as much at the nine o'clock. But I think sometimes we really get stuck in the belief part of our faith and not the action the behaviors. The behavior part of our faith. And when I say actions, I'm not just talking about the, the five, the big five. Read your Bible more, pray more, give more, serve more, attend more. But the actual, like, what are we actually doing in this place with each other? Mm-hmm. Because if it isn't actually the way that you just described it, mm-hmm. Simone, mm-hmm. I wouldn't come mm-hmm. either. Right. Agreed. It's not compelling mm-hmm. enough. It's not good enough. It's not gospel enough. Mm-hmm. If it's only about us learning something, yeah. Yeah. learning what to think and believe is not enough. Mm-hmm. It has to be something supernatural mm-hmm. in the way that Amen. we actually connect yeah. with Christ and each other. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if, connect- if, if we're not connecting with each other in a way that is so encouraging and spurring and moving, Mm -hmm. then it's just an activity aimed at our head and not at our heart. We are fooling ourselves if we don't think week after week after week, we need to be seen 
and, and blessed mm -hmm. and encouraged and reminded of our, our faith and what we stand on and what we believe, the unconditional love that believers hold to one another. Totally. We are fooling ourselves. Right. If we don't think, if we think we're getting it enough mm -hmm. online right. or you know, from a good friend or from a spouse. Listen, Anthony and I have sat through hours of marriage therapy and our therapist has told us over and over, you cannot fulfill this in one another. You yeah. cannot fulfill it. You are good for each other, but you're not everything for each other. So and it, it's just a reminder that the church has its place for us. Right. It has yeah. its place. I, I love Matt Chandler, and he is so encouraging, and I love listening to him. <laughs> I'll expose myself. I love Alistair Begg. I love listening to him. He cannot give me, they cannot give mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. what I need to be a participant in here on a Sunday yeah. morning mm -hmm. yeah. and with my small group. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can encourage me, inspire me, and motivate yeah. me. But I need to be in a known a knownness, yes. yeah. and I need yeah. to know others, and I need to check everything at the door when I come to church and say this is about Jesus and His people and us doing something here together that's so different and supernatural. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. gospel truth. We're going to lift up Jesus. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to apply it to our lives. And it's gospel culture together, mm -hmm. doing something that we can't do anywhere else. Yeah. C.S. Lewis <laughs> talked about... Um, do you have something to say about this? Yeah. <laughs> C.S. Lewis talked... I use this... I've used this... Um, uh, not analogy, but this example before, but C.S. Lewis, I think it's Reflections of the Psalms. He talks about, he, he was meeting with two other guys. I don't recall their names. One of them died. And so he was grieving that death, but then thought, well, I'll, sp I'll get to spend a lot more quality time with my other friend mm -hmm. and get to know him in deeper ways. But what he ended up finding out, because C.S. Lewis is incredibly insightful, <laughs> uh, what he ended up finding out was a part of his friend was gone now mm. that he's meeting with. A part of the friend that he's meeting with is gone now because the other friend yeah. drew that part out, the friend who had died. He drew that part out of his other friend. And now that his friend had died, that other part that he drew out wasn't there anymore. Right. And C.S. Lewis then talks about how that's true of God and of, of us meeting. And if John, if you're not here in worship, um, there's a part of God that I experienced through you that you experienced with God that I Right. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it, it applies that way. And it's, it, isn't it great? It like, is. I actually think that the reason why the church is somewhat ad adrift, why people are not coming, is in large part because there's been a season, there was a season mm -hmm. in the church where we really focused on some gospel doctrine and truth and teaching and making sure that that's all aligned and good and all that. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at our church. I'm just saying generally, right? Mm -hmm. Like we really wanted to hammer some them some things mm -hmm. down. And praise God, we need to do that work. But I think at one level, we, we sacrificed some of the culture part of the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We made it more something that you come and consume rather than yeah. something that you come and participate in. Like your attendance here is so necessary for it all to work mm -hmm. right? the way that it's supposed to work. We don't just sit and eat something and go out of the door. We mm -hmm. actually are part of the feeding. You're eating and cooking. You're cooking and, and serving. And exactly. And yeah, I love exactly. it. I love the analogy. Exactly. Yeah. That's totally. 100% yep. what it is. You're a food truck. You're coming in here. You're a food truck. <laughs> and you're going to other spiritual food trucks. And there are some days where you're going to come in. And I hope that this is a place where you stumble through the doors barely. I feel like you've seen that happen. <laughs> I do every week because yeah. guys, I'm doing it, it sometimes. Yeah. I feel it. Where you stumble through the door and you just hope that there's a warm face on in the entrance mm -hmm. and a person that says, Gosh, you look so burdened. Guys, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I wasn't gonna tell this story. I get done preaching and a woman comes up, she says, I don't go to your church. I go to another church. I'm only here. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm only here because somebody invited me to come. I heard you preach today and I'm so encouraged, but I have a sense that you are very burdened, Aww. Aww. that you're carrying a lot mm. in your leadership of the church, mm. that there's a lot going on in your life and in your, in your spirit. And she said, I, I saw you preach this morning with, with energy and the, the connection with the, the, the text, but I feel like you, you're, you're tired. Mm. <laughs> you have a lot going on. And she said, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for you. Mm. Can I pray for you this morning? And she put her hand on me and she prayed for me mm. and she started to weep. Wow. 
in saying, I, I, I want you to have the energy that you had this morning any time you open the text mm-hmm. with whoever you're opening the text with. Mm-hmm. I want you to be encouraged and strengthened as a pastor, as a man of God. And, and she went on and on and on and on and on. I was almost like, I got to leave. I got to leave. <laughs> you're like, I'm so busy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I, you can't experience that or get that anywhere else. No. Yeah. What a beautiful... Yeah. Uh, uh, Man, I was so encouraged because, guys, I, there's a lot going on in the church right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we are, are shouldering mm-hmm. and trying to, to get, and we want to be faithful, and we want to have energy, and we want to have strength. And, and to have another believer come up, a mature believer, a woman in the faith come up and encourage me in that way was super powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Can I? I would, nope. You first. I was just going to say, this feels a little full circle to me, and I'm so glad you shared that. That is really encouraging to hear, because I would take that all day, Mm. all day over a large church that you have to do 1,300 services on a Saturday and a Sunday to make it all work, to get everybody in, which I, I know there's a place for that. I'm not trying to talk poorly about large churches, but I'm just saying, I would take an authentic gospel committed, transparent leadership church with a smaller congregation all day Mm -hmm. over anything else. And so I'm just thankful that that, knowing that there's a lot going on kind of behind the scenes, knowing, not even knowing the details, but just knowing how much you all are shouldering. I will just say, you're doing it well. You're, Mm -hmm. you're authentic and transparent where you have to be. And you have a a church full of people who believe in you and trust you. And that's why they're here. You're sweet. Thank you. Thanks. That's a good word. I was going to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I was going to talk about Dave and Shalane Larson. Mm. Shalane is battling cancer and in the middle of, um, various treatments. Um, but their attendance is so regular and they'll often make their ways down to the front row and sit on the front row. And, um, and it's a blessing for me to watch them persevere, it reminds me, Christ is raised. Mm-hmm. Christ is powerful. He, he's seeing them through this. And then it's a blessing for me to get to pray with them and bear some of that burden with them. So I'm both encouraged by their presence as they persevere, and I get to be an encourager. Mm-hmm. This, this is really the body of Christ. And so many times people who start going through hard times, they stay home. Well, I do nothing, but I cry through worship. That's the reason to come to worship. Right. Right. You know, so it is a blessing and we're to care for each other. I'll close there. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in, listeners, to the next level. Boom! Prophecy.